This is something that's really near and dear to my heart because um, I have developed in the understanding of how important giving is to God. And you know, it's, it isn't, it, it's just a, a, something that's really close to God's heart because God was the original giver. God so loved the world that he gave. So a person that has a heart like God is going to be a person that loves to give. And I want to read a scripture out of 2 Corinthians, the ninth chapter. This is familiar to you, but this is always my go-to scripture. I believe it reveals more about this part of giving uh, the heart of God in giving than anything else. So in uh, 2 Corinthians, the ninth chapter, verse 6, it says, Remember this. So I'm going to bring you into remembrance this morning of this. This is scripture. He who sows sparingly and grudgingly will also reap sparingly and grudgingly. And he who sows generously, why? That blessings may come to someone, will also reap generously and with blessings. Leave that up just a minute. What he's reveal- he is, is identifying here is a heart of a person. A heart of a person can be generous or grudging. They may be givers, but their heart is not in it. And uh, they just are doing it because they don't want to look bad or who knows. But it's talking about a heart, but it's also talking about a principle in the Word of God of sowing and reaping. And we know that principle in this part of the country. Basically, we know that harvest comes from sowing. And if if you want a big harvest, you got to sow a generous crop. I mean, a generous crop of seed. If you want a small harvest, just go out and plant a little garden. But that's a principle that he's laying down here. And then it goes on in the next verse and says, let each give as he's made up his own mind and purposed in his heart. Here it is, a heart issue again. Not reluctantly in your heart or sorrowfully or under compulsion. For God loves, he takes pleasure in, he prizes above all other things and is unwilling to abandon or do without a cheerful, joyous, prompt-to-do-it giver whose heart is in his giving. Now, God knows your heart. That's what this says. I mean, you can't hide it. You might be able to hide it from me. You may grin when you put your money in the bag, but inside, your heart is being grudging. But God sees the heart. So this is, this is our responsibility in giving. What is in your heart? What is in your heart when you give? Is it to 
give just because you're supposed to or even give because you got that you're going to get something back. The Bible says that you give so blessings can come to others. That's the way it works. Next verse. This is God's part. You know, the neat part about the scriptures is most generally there's our part and then God responds. When we do what God tells us to do in the right attitude, with the right heart, then this is what God said he would do. He is able to make all grace, every favor, and earthly blessing come to you in what? Abundance. Why? So that you may always and under all circumstances and whatever the need be self-sufficient, possessing enough to require no aid or support and furnished in abundance for every good work and charitable donation. God does his part. And he sees to it when he sees your heart of generous giving, when he sees that in your life, then he is excited. He will not do without. He's going to find somebody that has that kind of heart. And then this is what he's going to do. What is he going to do? He's going to multiply. He's going to give you abundance. Why? So that you can continue to be generous. So that you won't have a lack. So that you can have more than enough and you know, when that happens, you just get kind of more excited next time whenever the offering's taken up. It's like, this is fun. Now I want to share just a little story out of my life this week. This week, um, this week I, I became obedient to God. A month ago, the Lord has spoken to me to give an offering to a friend of mine that had gone through exactly the same thing that I have gone through. Uh, they started a church, and uh, they got into a building program, and lo and behold, her husband died and left her as pastor of the church with a building program. And I had reconnected with her, and we just had such a good time, and the Lord said, sow a seed into their building project. And um, I thought, okay, I'll do that. But I just let it slip. And so days went by and actually weeks went by and I, I just had actually forgotten about it. And just, la uh, just last week, I thought, I've got to get that done. And so I wrote out the check. And to me, it was generous uh, because that's what God had told me to do. And uh, I wrote the check out. I brought it Wednesday night and stuck it in the mailbox on Wednesday night, and finally I planted my seed. Thursday morning, y'all knew I had, a, had had an operation a week or so ago, and, and I, I was doing pretty good, but Thursday morning I was feeling really bad. I was having a really bad day, and it was overcast, and I knew it was going to be raining before the day was over, and there was nobody there to get my mail, and I thought, oh, I'm just going to go get the mail, because sometimes my mailbox is, is not waterproof. And so I made the effort to go out and get the mail. 
I was really glad I did. In my mailbox was eight, a check for eight times the amount that I had given as seed. That's a true story. I didn't, I mean, I didn't force it to happen, but I, I enjoyed the process of giving, and God enjoyed the process of giving back to me. So as we give this morning, uh, you know, we're giving because what a mighty God we serve. Because he's been so good to us. And you know, he yearns to be even gooder to us. But he can only do what will not hurt us. And if our heart's right, he can bless us abundantly. More than we can even ask or think. And so, you know, if we need to make any heart adjustments, let's just get her made. And let's be generous. I want us to be the most generous church in this city. And I believe that that building out there will be paid for in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Yeah, let's give the Lord a hand. I do have, I didn't intend to do this publicly, but this is my tithe from my check. How fun is that? So, Father, we just thank you for the privilege of giving. We trust your word. Lord, your word is true. And we're not doing something that is apart from your word, trying to build a doctrine or something. We're just doing it according to your word. And we expect the blessings to come to someone else and what you've promised to come to us. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you'll go ahead and take up the offering, I will um, get started on my message this morning. I've been kind of looking forward to this morning for quite a while. Have you ever found something in the Bible that all of a sudden God begins to just expand it and expand it and expand it until all of a sudden you have a brand new Bible because of some revelation that God has given you from one little tidbit. Well, this is kind of how this message started with me. Um, I don't know how long ago it was, but... Um, it was when Brad was here for one of the first times that he ministered after Pastor passed away. And he read a scripture. And it was out of the Message Bible. And there was a phrase in that scripture that just began to stir on the inside of me. And so that's what I'm going to be ministering to you this morning. But I would not even start to think about ministering without inviting the Holy Spirit to come in and teach us. Because it's impossible for me to take a spiritual truth and to impart it to you successfully without the Holy Spirit. So, Father, I just want to thank you for your precious Holy Word. Your precious Holy Word is what we stand on and what we live by. 
And we know that there are layers and layers and layers and layers of revelation in your word as we grow from one degree of glory to another. And Father, this morning you have revealed some things to me very simply. And I need that ability to transmit it to your people that are listening. And so, Father, I just want to thank you for the Holy Spirit. Now, Holy Spirit, I acknowledge you as the teacher. And I ask you to just give me utterance this morning. That the words that proceed out of my mouth will come straight from the heart of God. And it will be illuminated in the heart of the hearer as much as it was illuminated in my heart when you revealed it to me. And I thank you, Father, that we will move up to a higher level. Our lives will be stronger and we will be more purposeful in this life. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'm sure that by now that you're curious as to what that scripture is. So I'd like for you to put up, on the, I do have my message Bible, and the only reason why I brought it is because just in case the overhead would fail, or that Larry would fail, or whatever, but uh, I, I don't normally carry it. It is just, you know, I'm not supposed to lift over 10 pounds. So as you can see, that would stretch it a little. So... Um, if you'll put up Matthew 11, we're going to start in a verse. Let me get my notes out. Matthew 11:27, 27, starting with 27. So this is the Message Bible. Jesus resumed, now if you will read the whole chapter, you see he was, he was pretty stern at the first of this chapter. And he commanded some woes to come on Chorazin and Bethsaida. And he wasn't, I mean, he wasn't just a little milk toast person at the very beginning of this chapter. He was pretty stern. He's command, he, he spoke woes over them. I would not want him to speak a woe over me. So then now he's kind of moving in, it says tenderly. So Jesus resumed talking to the people, but now tenderly. And then he said, the Father has given me all these things to do and to say. This is a unique father-son operation. Coming out of, this is, just file this away for now. Coming out of, Father and Son intimacies and knowledge. No one knows the Son the way the Father does, nor the Father the way the Son does. But I'm not keeping it to myself. I'm ready to go over it line by line with any one of you here that is willing to listen. So then he starts out and he asks a question. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Now, you can ask yourself that question. You know, sometimes, just keep that up there, please. Sometimes we uh, 
get so busy doing things for the Lord and feeling like that we're not just not doing enough and, and not knowing what really pleases God and maybe not even knowing our purpose in life and we're just, we're just kind of doing this and we're doing this and we're doing this and, and we never feel like enough. I don't know if any of you feel that way, have ever felt that way, but this has kind of been the way that I have lived, had lived for years. Uh, growing up in, in the atmosphere I grew up in, I never felt like I was enough to merit any kind of, uh, any kind of affirmation. Just didn't feel like I was doing quite enough. You know, if I read the Bible every night and prayed for 15 minutes, I thought I probably should have read another chapter and I should have prayed at least 30 minutes. If I really wanted God to be pleased with me, I should have done that. Or I will see somebody that is feeding the poor. They're going out there or knocking on doors and getting people saved or uh, having these big, 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 conferences with all these people just waiting for the word from their mouth to come forth. And I think, I'm not doing anything. So I had this feeling that maybe God was displeased with me, that I should be doing more, that um, I was displeased with me because I thought I should be doing more. And so what that leads to is you're tired, you're worn out, you get burned out. But Jesus said, if you're all of this, here's what I want you to do. You come, he didn't say, I want you to do 30 more minutes praying. I want you to go to church every time the door's open, but I... I'll have to say, I want you to, but, but Jesus did not say that. Um, he didn't say, do this or that. He said, come. Come to me. Get away with me. And you'll recover your life. Interesting. It seems to me like he's saying, Maybe, it, you know, he was saying earlier, he's, it's a father-son operation. Maybe he's saying it should be you and I's operation. Because he said, you will recover your life. You get away with me. I will show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me, work with me, and watch how I do it. Learn, this is the part that just jumped out at me when Pastor Brad shared this scripture early on. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. And I had never heard that phrase before. I didn't know it was in the Message Bible. And I honestly didn't know exactly what it meant. But it intrigued me. Now, I knew what grace was. Grace is God's ability working in you to do something you can't do on your own. So, um, 
I knew that what that was. I knew what a rhythm was. I, I used to be more involved in music, and I knew, you know, there's certain beats in a song. Uh, there's 4-4 four, four time. There's other, other kind of timing in songs. It's the rhythm that creates the rhythm. Uh, so I knew it was kind of like the pace. So he's talking about the pace of our lo- the pace of grace. The, but this word unforced was interesting to me. Because you know when you force something, it's hard. It's hard to force something into a spot that it's not doesn't necessarily fit. You force it into to that spot. And it's hard and it takes work and it takes effort. But here he's talking about something that's unforced. Now, an unforced rhythm would be easy because of God's grace. Now, for me, for me, something that would be forced would be me getting on a horse. You would have to force me on the horse and probably force me to stay on the horse. And uh, if it follows the patterns, the horse would force me off of him. But that, but that would not, I do not have a grace to be a horseback rider. I see, I, you know, I watched my husband, so graceful, roping, doing all sorts of things. Then there's Dave Burroughs, he used to jump off a horse from my From my perspective, I can't understand this. He would jump off of a horse, grab a cow cow or a steer, I guess it is, with uh, big horns, around the horns, and wrestle them down. And I think, that does not look fun to me. And then I watch, you know, Callie and her daughters, they... They uh, get on their horses and they run the barrels and they're just like fluid, you know. And I think it would be forced for me to do that. I do not have the grace for that. But they have the grace for it. And for some reason, they think it's fun. So... I begin to think about what the Bible says in First Corinthians. I mean, in Psalms one hundred and thirty-nine. In Psalms one hundred and thirty-nine, would you put that up in the Amplified, uh, starting in verse thirteen? For this is this is. Uh, David talking about God. So he said, you did form my inward parts. You did knit me together in my mother's womb. So I will confess and praise you for you are fearful and wonderful and for the awful wonder of my birth. Wonderful are your works and that my inner self knows right well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being formed in secret and intricately and curiously wrought, as if embroidered. Have you ever embroidered something? 
It's very purposeful. You have a design, and you embroider it according to uh, that picture that you want it to become. And so it says that God embroidered us when we were in our mother's room, womb with various colors in the depths of the earth in a region of darkness and mystery, talking about the womb of the mother. Your eyes, God's eyes, saw my unformed substance and listen. In your book, all the days of my life were written before they ever took shape, when as yet there was none of them. That's pretty interesting to me to think that God isn't, he, he's a story writer. He wrote the story of your life before you ever had one day of your life. He wrote your story according to how he made you. Let's look at that in the uh, uh, TPT. Is that what I gave you? Passion. Yeah. <clears throat> oh, yes, you shaped me first inside and then out. You formed me in my mother's womb. I thank you, high God, your breathtaking. Body and soul, I am marvelously made. Just stop and think about that. Is that the way you look at yourself? That's the way God looks at you. Body and soul, I am marvelously made. You know, I could say it a little more easily if I was maybe like my daughter-in-law that's tall and shapely and doesn't have a bit of fat on her body that I know of. Gorgeous. I mean, I can, I can see her looking into a mirror and saying, wow, I am marvelously made. I know she wouldn't do that because she's way too humble. But, but, you know, we look in a mirror and we see how God made us and we think, marvelous this? But this is what, the, what uh, David said about us and about what God thinks. Body and soul, I am marvelously made. Do you know that's God's thoughts about you? You are marvelously made. Uh, I worship in adoration. What a creation. You know me inside and out. You know every bone in my body. You know exactly how I was made, bit by bit, how I was sculpted, sculpt, sculpted. From nothing into something. Like an open book, you watched me grow from conception to birth. Now, let me tell you, God knows those little babies in the womb. And he is very, very ticked about abortion. I'm just going to say that. I mean, he put that baby in the womb, and they, he watches that baby grow from conception to birth. All the stages of my life were spread out before you, Lord, and all and the days of my life all prepared before I even lived one day. 
God knows us inside and out. This is what, what we get from this scripture. He knows us inside and out. He put you together even, even knowing where all your bones are, how long this one's going to be, how short this is going to be. He put them all together for a purpose. He has a purpose for every single one of us. And he placed gifts on the inside. He has put on the inside of you grace, some grace. I have some grace in me that you may not have in you. And you have grace in you that I don't have in me. And I'm not going to be able to do your job and you're not going to be able to do my job. But if everybody does their job, then God's work is going to be done on this earth. And so the, the question that I had, now, uh, let me just read a scripture. You, you probably know this is in the Bible, but I want to remind you. In John three twenty seven. you know, <clears throat> people came to John and they said, uh, are you the Messiah? I mean, you know, you're gathering all these people around you. Uh, are you the Messiah? Uh, you know, John, John had the opportunity to say, well, maybe. You know, if he wanted to get a good following, actually he was doing pretty good. But John, John said, <clears throat> he answered, a man can receive nothing. He can claim nothing. He can take unto himself nothing except as it has been granted to him from heaven. A man must be content to receive the gift which is given him from heaven. There is no other source. So part of our purpose is in our gift that has come to us from heaven. So how do we be sure that we complete our purpose? You know, the most coveted thing that I am looking forward to, the most sought-after words that I am looking forward to when I stand before my Father in heaven the words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. That is all that matters to me in this world. Now, I really like for you to tell me that I'm doing a good job. I, I mean, please don't stop. Because my love language is words of affirmation, and you cannot give me enough affirmation. I mean, you can give me enough, but not too much. Just, just lay it on. You know, you're, it's important that I know or I feel like I've done a good job. But the one thing that I covet is that before God and before my Lord Jesus Christ, he says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. 
Every time I say that, I think of the prophecy that Billy Brim gave us before we came to Guymon, before we even knew where we were going to go. We just got out of ministry school. Pastor was out of ministry school, and, and he was holding a, a, a week-long meetings in Collinsville, Oklahoma. And Billy Brim, some of you know who she is, some of you don't. But Billy Brim uh, was there. She's on television now, and I mean, she's, you know, she's doing a great work. But, and her son Chip comes here to minister a lot. But at the end of that, those meetings, she came up to Charlie and I and said, um, uh, the Lord is calling you to a place of unplowed ground. And there in that place, you will plant the seed of the word of God. Don't worry about the faces of people, how they look. For those, the word, seed of the word is going to be going into their heart. And then the part that I remember most, that I can hardly keep from tearing up when I say it. She said, one day, you will stand before the master and say, Master, here's the fruit from the unplowed ground. And the master will say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And I, I hang on to that. You are some of the fruit of this unplowed ground that we came 44 years, 44 and a half years ago now. So my, my goal in life, my purpose in life is to hear those words. So I need to know how to get there for sure. I need to know what my purpose is. Jesus said in John 17, 4, he said, this is amplified, and if you, I don't know if you got the message on this too, but uh, I want to read the amplified first. He said, I have glorified you down here on the earth by completing the work that you gave me to do. And the, and the message Bible says, Jesus said, I have completed down to the last detail what you have assigned me to do. That marvelous grace that God has placed on the inside of us is for a purpose to complete something that he has called us to do. Jesus was able to stand up and say, I have completed down to the last detail what you called me to do. So, what are we supposed to do? How do we know our purpose? Have you ever asked that question? Have you wondered, what is my purpose? What is my purpose? Well, some purposes seem kind of obvious and some don't. We were in a staff meeting the other day, and I don't even remember what we were talking about, but Alan Brown made a statement that, I mean, it was very, very pointed, even deep. He said, do what you're good at. Just do what you're good at. And I latched a hold of that, and I thought, you know, that's one way 
to know what direction we should be going. I know some of you that are good at a lot of things. I know Aurora is a tremendous photographer. She's good at it. That's part of her purpose. She's got a grace in her life to do that. I could point out a lot of you and say, you're good at that. That's part of... I mean, you should head in the direction of what you're good at or what's drawing you or what you enjoy the most. Head in that direction. Just start. You know, when I started feeling like I wanted to be a writer, I'd always had this goal to write a book. When I started, and especially when I started writing uh, Christian fiction, you know, it was, that's something that comes, nobody from outside tells you what to do. It's just something that comes from the inside of you and uh, your imagination. And so, especially on the, the third book of my, the trilogy that I wrote, uh, I just, I only had one thought. I want to uh, write into this book, I want it to be about the Underground Railroad. And uh, that's all I knew. And I would pray, and I would pray. And I'd say, Lord, just give me the plot. Just show me, show me, show me, show me, show me, show me, show me. Show me the plot. How's it going to end? What is it about? And I heard the Spirit of God say, just start. Okay. He gave me the first chapter. And from then on, then on, it was all downhill. It was easy. Because I knew what direct, it was just little by little by little by little. And that gives me a principle that I want you to learn because this is a principle that exploded on the inside of me when I begin to study this. And I have to tell you, that when I started studying that, I thought, I don't even have a clue what you're talking about, Lord. The unforced rhythms of grace. I don't have a clue. But it's really intriguing me. And uh, <clears throat> that, whole ver that whole portion of scripture intrigued me. Because I, I didn't want to be tired anymore. Worn out. So how am I going to do this, Lord? And so I would meditate on it and I... One day, I was listening to telev television, and um, they were interviewing a man that had been to heaven and back. He had died for 30 minutes. His name was Danny Kay. I mean, Randy Kay. And he had, he had been in heaven for 30 minutes, and then they, he came back. And the interview kind of intrigued me, but if you know me, you know that if I see a new book about heaven, I'm going to get it. I mean, I want to know heaven inside and out. I want to know what it's waiting for me. And I am so, so looking forward to it. But I will complete to the last detail my purpose before I go. So, he, so I immediately jumped on my Kindle and I got that book and I started reading it. And during the reading of that book, 
God changed my life through what he had written down and what Jesus had said to him. It's a, it's a tremendous book. It's very intellectual. A lot of books that, uh, of people that's been to heaven and back, they'll tell you what they saw, all of the different scenery and so on of, of heaven. And I love to read that. But he just basically spent that 30 minutes with Jesus. And Jesus talked to him. And he talked to him about a lot about the way he, Jesus, views his children. And I'm just going to just kind of put it in a, just a little nutshell. He said, well, I don't know if I can say it as good as he does. I, I, I jotted down a few things here, but I'm going to just read just a little bit from this book. God sees you. This is what he told him. He sees you. He sees all of his people. God sees all of you. So put yourself in this. As though you are the most special person in creation. This is what this man got from Jesus. That he was the most special. And he said all of the people. Every person is the most special only you parents can understand how you can have three children and all of them are the most special creation. God sees you as though you're the most special purpose in all, person in all of creation. When Jesus looked at me, his eyes glistened with love. I truly believe that he saw only me, that I possessed his exclusive attention. And he led him. He let him know that that's the way it was with every single one of his children. Every single one. To say that you are special would be a gross understatement. You are the last of your kind. A failure to fulfill your singular purpose on this earth will leave a void in this world forever. No one else can be you. Just as no one else can complete the work that God ordained for you from the beginning of your existence. Jesus made that revelation from heaven clear to me as we journeyed together. I discovered during my walk with Jesus that there exists a vacuum in this world that extends throughout eternity because of unfulfilled purposes. It lingers like a spiritual black hole such as the light of Jesus Christ cannot penetrate that darkness, all because of lost opportunities for God's children to be the light of Christ in this world. I'm not going to be responsible for not lighting up my part of the world because nobody else can do it. And so the, the, that's the first thing that we're special that I got from that. And then he said, I'm always with you. Now, we've heard that. Jesus is always with me. Do you really believe it? I mean, right here today, right here, is Jesus really with me? Is Jesus sitting next to you? Is he really with you? He said, he told him, I am. That's the way I am with my children. I'm always with them. Always. Even when they rebel, I'm still with them. And you know, I've, I've, I've learned that, that 
there's times that Jesus talks to me. Uh, and I've, you know, I've have a couple of books of just the words that God has spoken to me. And over the last six months, he's spoken to me a lot of what I've been going through. But uh, I just thought, well, that's special times. That's special times. But the Lord began to show me through this man's information that Jesus is with me all the time. And the third thing is he wants to have an ongoing conversation with you every minute of every day if you want it. Think about that. It's a, Jesus said it's a father-son operation because of the intimacies and because he shows me what to do and he shows me what to say. You think that was once a month? I believe Jesus had an ongoing conversation with the Father. And now he's saying, you learn of me and this is the way I want it to be. I want an ongoing conversation with you. After I read that book and I read that, I said, oh, Jesus, I get lonely sometimes now. You mean if I would just stop and talk to you, you would talk back to me? And clearly, he began to assure me. Anytime I wanted a conversation with him, he would have a conversation with me. And that night, I could hardly go to sleep. He was talking to me all night long. Finally, I said, all right, Jesus, it's, it's 12 o'clock. I'm going to go to bed now. I'm going to go to sleep. Thank you for talking to me. That's how real it was. And it changed my life. It changed me because I thought, you know what? I am pleasing to God no matter what I do or I don't do. And this is the part that really, really, really I want to get across to you uh, as we're winding this up. This is the last part. This is a conversation that he had with Jesus just before he was being sent back to earth. He said, Lord, if you are sending me back, then please tell me what I'm supposed to do. And Jesus said, my beloved, and that's what I liked about this conversation. He always called this man his beloved. And then I recognized he always started calling me my, my dear child, my special child. You know, that's what he'll do for you. That's the way he's going to talk to you. Lord, if you're sending me back, then please tell me what I'm supposed to do. And Jesus said, my beloved, if I were to reveal to you your purpose in full, you would not remain dependent on me. What am I supposed to do, he asked then. And this is what I want you to get across. Remain focused on me, beloved, he said. And then moment by moment, your purpose will be revealed to you. That was it. A moment by moment revelation from God is what to do next. Too often, we view purpose as an end goal. It's not about the destination it's about the journey. And so what I begin to see, and I want you to see, is God wants a relationship with us. 
It's a moment-by-moment relationship. You may not know what your purpose is yet, but if you walk with him today and you listen to his voice carefully, you will walk every day into your purpose. And every day is part of your purpose. It's not just an end goal where you're declared the best-selling author in all the world. It's those moments of listening. That's your purpose. God's purpose for you is to have a relationship with you. He will take care of the grace part. You take care of the relationship part. You move into an intimacy with Jesus where you're walking with him every day. And there's going to be days that you're going to, um, Jesus is going to say, uh, bake a pie for somebody. That's your purpose for that day. Write this letter. Make this phone call. Go help that person. Study this. Do this. And that is a step towards your goal, the end goal. Where, When you have done that day after day after day, then what happens in your life will not be forced. It will be unforced. And let me just read to you what uh, the Lord spoke to me during that time. Um, if I can find it here real quick. I didn't even get to the part that I was going to. So I just want you to know I'm going to continue this on Wednesday night. And uh, you will see more of what God has been showing me. It has been our honor to offer this message today. If you would like to partner with us as we continue to bring the Word of God, we would ask that you prayerfully consider supporting Victory Center with a financial donation. You may do so today via the online giving portal at victorycenter.org. Thank you.